feel like I'm running out of ways to say that God comes through, that he works in the most mysterious, mind-blowing ways. And even saying that, why do we have to use these adjectives for the God of the universe, the one who sent his only son and raised from the dead, the one who breathed everything into existence. And yet, when something happens, a miraculous event, the way we see it, God's like, this is me doing exactly what I said I would do. And yet, to us, it's so big because it's easy for us to be asleep at the wheel, to not be a part of what God is doing and working every single day. I love how in this interview, you'll hear that we often just sit there crying out to God, like, what do you want from me? What do you want me to do? And it's like, it's the smallest thing in your life that will turn into that ginormous vision that you've been waiting for your whole life. Like God is moving right now. Welcome back to the Riskers podcast. Today, we welcome Josh Nipple, pastor, missionary, and author of Skydiving with Jesus. If you want to see how God can take even the smallest step of faith and turn it into something, here's that word again, incredible, miraculous. And this is something we all should aspire to be a part of. Then listen to this interview with Josh. So the big question is this, how do Jesus-loving entrepreneurs, pastors, and driven men and women of faith like us, who are taking risks to pursue their kingdom calling, how do we get our mission, the problem we're working to solve, the pain we're striving to heal, how do we fully realize it here on earth? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Caleb Brakey, and welcome to the Riskers Podcast. Welcome, Josh, to the Riskers Podcast. Man, I'm stoked to have you, brother. Man, I'm looking forward to it, Caleb. Um, Eric has, has talked a lot about you, and you know I've gotten to learn a little bit about your heart, uh, so I can't wait to see where this conversation goes. Amen. So... I, I can't help but start with skateboarding. Uh, one, I'm not a skateboarder. Uh, I can't even imagine the welts and rashes I would have if I ever tried. Um, we used to have one of those little banana boards as kids, and that was enough, <laughs> just trying to like balance on that thing. But brother, you started a ministry for skateboarders. And, and as I was kind of reading, as you were you know sharing your story with me, I, I immediately, you know, when you're reading something, you just like perk up and it was like the next sentence we were like, oh, and I'm not a skateboarder. I was just like, <laughs> oh, well, this changes the game. Like, you're like, okay, God is definitely in this. Cause it wasn't like, I have this great strength and I think I could make it a ministry. And like, you know, kids already look up to me while I'm out on my board, you know I mean? Bro, how I in the world did this start? Oh, uh, well, a lot of it goes back to, I grew up skiing and snowboarding. Like my dad had me on skis as soon as I could walk. So growing up skiing and snowboarding, I learned the snowboarding extreme sports culture. Um, at 16, I started working at a snowboard shop here locally and still to work there to this day, um, just as a way to do outreach. But I went off to college, 
um, got my degree in youth ministry, came home, did an internship at a local church while working at the skateboard shop. And the crazy thing is, Caleb, I had more chance to share Jesus at the skateboard shop than I did at the local church. So as my internship was kind of winding down, my prayer loop became, God, where do you want me? Like, where is this leading? And he just kept opening up, up conversations in the skate shop. And a buddy of mine came, buddy of mine came in. He's like, hey, we should, we should start taking hot dogs and water out to a local skate park. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know what that's about, man. Like, there has to be someone else better for this. He's like, no, we're, we're going to go. We're going to do this. And, you know, I'm, I'm a people pleaser. So I was like, all right, sure, let's try it. Well, next thing we knew, a whole ministry is being formed out of this because every Tuesday would take a case of water and hot dogs to the local park and just share the love of Jesus, building relationships. And what was crazy is going into, I kept arguing with God, going, God, I can't skate. He's like, are you willing? And I'm like, God, I, I, I stutter when I speak. Like I about failed speech class in college. He's like, are you willing? And I was like, Dang, all the excuses that kept coming up in my mind, he kept throwing out the door. So I'll, I'll be honest with you, before going into it, I grew my hair out. I went out, I bought myself some skinny jeans. I thought I had to look the part. I went out, I got a skateboard. And within two, three weeks of being there, the guys are like, dude, stop trying. Like, <laughs> stop. Like, you are, no, this did not work. Just be real. Like, that's bottom line. What we want is you to be real with us. And uh, it just kind of grew from there. Like we went from like five kids, like 20 kids. Hey, this is my, my, my boy Eli here. Um, we went from like five kids, like 20 kids in the, the first summer. And then around here, um, skate park shut down for winter, like in Southwestern PA. So we just started praying, God, if we have these kids not come out, now what do we do? And uh, a local businessman heard what was going on um, through his daughter. And, and he called and was like, hey, I have a warehouse um that's empty right now i heard you're getting kids off the street and uh so we went we looked at his building we started talking about it and no joke his building his warehouse was the second story of a casket company he's like it's it's wide open it's an old furniture area you can have it if you want to use it so we didn't know what that meant um we had a diving board and we had two cinder blocks that was our first skate ramp in that building over the years, it turned into the only indoor park within like an hour area. And we'd have kids drive in on a weekly basis to be at the skate park. So here's the kicker. And, and then I'll let you kind of go on. Here's the kicker of all of it. He was an atheist. And his company, like selling caskets, you know, we always said it was promoting death. So we called the skate park Life Over Death Skate Park, saying we are preaching life. We are preaching Jesus on the second story while he's selling death in the basement. And it just kind of became our running joke of this is life over death skate park. And to this day, that guy will still say to me, Hey, if I end up in heaven one day, it's your fault. And I'm like, all right, I'll take that. <laughs> so, you know, God is just working in the midst of it the entire time that made no sense at all and continue to break down barriers. Uh, we had so many people, tell us we should not do skate ministry because of insurance, because of injuries, because the crowd was not your church crowd. You never knew who's going to be showing up. And every time we would, you know, start hearing those arguments, it was like God shined brighter on that area going, no, this is where you need to be. So the relationships that are formed there over a 10 year span still to this day are a major part of my life. Wow. Brother, that is 
incredible. And I love it. You all, you keep dropping these incredible, like, I'm like, man, this is a good story. And then all of a sudden I'm like, boom, no, this is a great story. Are you kidding yeah. me? Like, I, I would, you know, when you said, hey, uh, you know, God opened up the, the, the second story, you know, uh, some old guy at our church just kind of had it in his back pocket. So we said, hey, you could do ministry. No, this came from an atheist. <laughs> I absolutely love that. And what I love so much about this and this is, I mean, this is for our listeners. This is for the person who's, who's like their biggest risk so far is listening to this podcast, being like, <laughs> you know, dip, dipping their toe in the water. Like, I think I want to make a risk, but <laughs> they're in that excuse stage. And, and I love that that was kind of your first, like that was the first hurdle and probably the biggest one where you just had to get over and accept like, okay, God, I'm in, uh, once you got over that, look what happened. Look what unfolded where more kids are coming, where where you learn on the fly, you know, hey, be yourself. You don't have to dress like this. Uh, hey, it's going to shut down. Some An atheist reaches out to you to, to let it continue to thrive. I mean, what an incredible showing from God, just, just, just God showing off because he, he wanted something done. He wanted to reach those souls and he used you. And I just, I absolutely love that. Well, let me uh, interject something that goes along with that. Um, and this one might be even more crazy. So that first summer, we had, like I said, like 20 kids coming out. We got a phone call from a music festival, Soul Fest in, in New Hampshire, one of the major music fests on the East Coast, calling saying, hey, can you bring your skate team in? We have a skate park here, and we need someone to come do demos for us because we have kids showing up who will go skate, but will never come hear a speaker. So... I was like, sure, we're in. And then I got off the phone. I'm like, I don't know what that means. Like, so I called local guys. I'm like, what does it mean to have a skate team or do a demo? So next thing you know, we are loading seven kids locally up in a van to drive to New Hampshire. Um, kids I just met that summer. And we were like, okay, we're going. We don't know what we're doing, but we're going. So the weekend before we left, the one guy called. He's like, hey, I can't go, but don't worry. I have someone to fill in for me. I had no clue who this kid was. He showed up on my doorstep. His grandparents dropped him off, didn't even talk to me. He got in the van, put his headphones in, and didn't talk to us for three, four hours in. About four hours in the trip, he goes, oh, by the way, I don't believe in any of the stuff we're, we're doing. I just heard a free trip to New Hampshire, so that's why I'm going. So, you know, in today's world, you know, you go on mission trips, you have to fill out applications, you have to share your testimony, share your story, background, yeah, you know who you're taking. So here's this kid going, I don't, I'm just here for a free trip. So we just started praying for him. By the third day of the festival, he came to know Jesus. So the kid can do backflips on inline skates. So we're in the middle of a demo. He literally lands on the base of his neck in front of about 200 people watching. And here I am as the leader going, I don't even know this kid. I probably don't have insurance for him. I don't know what's good. We don't have an emergency contact. He gets back up. Five minutes later, he's on the top of the ramp, gets the crowd going, lands it, and gets down. And, and one of the other guys goes, how did you do that? Like, we saw the injury you just took. How did you back up? And he goes, I thought about the pain you told me Christ took for me. That was the least I could do. And I'm like, that's more than most church people ever will give in their entire lifetime. Wow. So he comes home from that trip. We have another trip lined up. God just kept opening doors at that summer. Another trip lined up to North Carolina. He convinced me to take his friend Dave 
Dave accepted Christ on the North Carolina trip. We come home from there. Dave convinces me to take his cousin, Sean. Sean accepts Christ. And it goes down like five generations of people who normally amongst the Christian circle, you wouldn't take with you. Wow. And they ended up becoming our leaders at the skate park as the years went on. But it, we look back and go, what the heck was Mark ever doing on that first trip? Like, I why was he there? How did he get there? And man, am I glad we didn't follow typical church protocol of who's allowed to go. They say truth is stranger than fiction. Like this, this is stranger than fiction, man. And, and, I, and I just, I love it because, you know, we can program things to death in the church. I mean, we want to fit God in our way of doing things. And right. he just isn't going to sign up for something like that. He's going to work in the way he wants. I think my favorite thing you said, we don't know what we're doing, but we're going. I mean, yeah. what an incredible, I mean, th that is, that is the life of the Christian. That is the life right. of being, um, uh, having the spirit inside you interceding as you talk with God and figure out what you're supposed to be doing to make disciples. Um, okay. So, and, and you might, you, I apologize if you hear some dogs in the background. Uh, yeah, I've got, uh, I've got my little buddies warning me about um, the mailman. Yeah, I just <laughs> came in. So we're good. There we go. So 10 years, like one decision led to 10 years of relationships, 10 years right. of, people being saved 10 years of the effects they'll have on others being saved. I mean, brother, what do you even think about when you look over your shoulder now from that one decision to I'm going to take some hot dogs out to the skate park. I'm still going, okay, what's next? Wow. Like it just continually has been doors opening the entire time. And the number of people I'll run into who will bring up stories from the skate park who went through those doors who have their life totally altered to now most of the same kids are now married and have kids of their own. And it's incredible to see that next generation is starting to come up, you know, them wanting to get their kids plugged into a known church when they grew up going, we want nothing to do with this. So it's been wow. unbelievable just seeing how it's all taken shape. Before we go further, I want to take a quick break and tell you about the publishing expertise offered by Speak It to Book and Sermon to Book, where we help men and women of faith become powerfully positioned to impact lives by collaboratively writing their book and building their ministry platform. If you've longed to write your book and impact a broader audience, our team is here to help, even if you don't have the time or energy to write. We've helped riskers like you secure traditional book deals, hit numerous bestseller lists, keynote to 100,000 people in two years, and get featured on Entrepreneur on Fire, Forbes, and Inc. Schedule a free strategy call at calebrakey.com. So one of the things I wanted to talk about that you had mentioned was just this idea of a simple life. Like, what's the need for a simple life? And what is the, if you could reverse a simple life and go all the way to extremely complicated, what is that? How would you describe that? We overcomplicate things. We overthink things. We, and I believe we do it in the church culture a lot where we pray and we pray and we pray and say, God, what's your will for my life? What's your will? And he's literally opening simple doors right in front of us. 
on a daily basis, but we're waiting for that one groundbreaking moment. And God's like, I'm right here in front of you. So instead of stepping through those doors with hot dogs and water, we're still waiting 10 years down the line going, God, what do you want for my life? And he's like, I've been showing you the entire time. You know, we had a service last night for National Day of Prayer, and one of the speakers was talking about being grateful. And, you know, you go around a room and you talk about what you're grateful for and what you've seen God doing. Everyone will bring up, oh, this miracle 10 years ago. Oh, this happened five years ago or a big life-changing event years in the past. And then he goes, okay, well, what's he done lately? And the point was God's working daily in our life, but so many times we're looking for the overthinking mm-hmm. rationale. The bigger thing is just seeing the little simple things right in front of you. And I've had to learn that a lot through my kids, through my three and five-year-old. You know, especially during COVID, the simplest things to them, going outside, pushing them on a swing, sharing a story with them, reading a book and being on their level, something they can grasp. And it made me really rethink faith. You know, the idea of faith like a child where Jesus has love and we're like, okay, Jesus, what does that mean? He's like, go to your neighbor. It's, it's simple. It's like Jesus says, serve. And we're like, oh, okay, well, I don't necessarily know what that means, Jesus. How do we serve? And he's like, you have opportunities right in front of you of the broken and the homeless. Forgive. And, and you know, that's when we always try and overcomplicate. Well, God, you don't know what they did to me. And he's like, well, you don't know what I went through on the cross. <laughs> and he's like, forgive. And we want to come up with their own rationale of how to make these things work, whether it's their program or whatever. And he's just like, just do it. Think like a, a five-year-old. If you tell a five-year-old, let's go, okay, I got it. His adults like, no, no, there has to be more. So really just learn to, to simplify and take that mindset into a daily life of God. What do you have today? I love that. And, and I want to, I want to unpack that because prayer is powerful to, to actually, to actually hear God's voice, uh, maybe not in an audible way, but with the spirit interceding, telling you, this is what I want you to do. Like, tell us about what solid prayer looks like for you. When you know God's communicating to you beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's speaking, and it could be the simplest thing. It could be, go take those hot dogs over there. What does that look like in, in your life? And how do you encourage the reader today who prayer to them is they try to block off five minutes they start talking with God. It's a little awkward. And uh, before they know it, they're thinking about their day and, uh, you know, that that text they got that was kind of upsetting and uh, the email they have. Josh, what's good prayer? Honesty. Yeah, just coming before God, understanding and realizing who he is. And the idea that nothing we're going to say is going to catch him off guard that it's not going to be magical words that might turn his ear. It's not like, hey, my aunt so-and-so is in the hospital in this room dealing with this, and God's going, oh, I didn't know that. Thank you for informing me. He's like, I know. I'm already there. I'm already working. So just coming before him with an honesty of going, God, I'm just broken before you. Um, like the biggest thing to me is like, again, I'm going back to my kids. You know, Eli and Silas, when they, they have something wrong, they don't always know what words to say or how to describe it but they know to pull my pant leg and my wife and I are going to pick them up. They know to cry. And if we hear them crying as their, their father, we're going to go and console them. And I look at that as 
as like the heavenly father. Like Romans 8 talks about how the spirit groans on our behalf when we don't know what to say. How many times does our prayer life literally just need to be pulling at God's panel going, God, I need you. And allowing him to be the father to come in and console us to pick us up even when we don't know what to say. You know, I think too many times we turn our prayer lives into, well, if I say this song lyric, if I say the, the specific words, then maybe I'll get God's attention. And he's going, no, just be honest with me. Bury yourself to me. Be broken before me. Show me honor. Worship me, but be honest with me. Mm. How many times have you been in a prayer circle where you hear the person next to you praying and you, you find yourself transcribing your words to become their words? And then you get done. You're like, wait, I don't even know what I just said. I, I just was, I, it sounded good like Darius did, but I don't, I don't know what that was just said. Mm. So like bottom line for me is just being honest, kind of like you would in a relationship with your spouse. You know, the most powerful conversation you can have with your spouse is when you're, you're honest, even if it causes brokenness for a bit, that's where the healing can take place. What have you learned through this risk of starting the skate park now 10 years later like what are those takeaways that you would say like this is so important for you right now if god's calling you to step out to get out of your safety to take that risk that you never know whose life you're gonna impact and how many people that can affect in that one decision you know we started we didn't know how many kids would turn out we didn't know how many lives would be affected but you don't know who that one person is that one person you could give a ride to, you could give a meal to, could be on their last day crying out. They could be the one crying out in prayer, and God is sending you as the answer to their prayer. You know, they could be the one who's starving and hungry that day and holding up a sign as you're the one driving by with an extra sandwich in your car. We don't know who we're affecting. You know, that one little instance could then transform their entire family as they go home and share about that moment. I'll never forget my wife and I were in Nashville and uh, she was overwhelmed. Like we were downtown and it was absolutely packed. She was overwhelmed. So next thing we found ourselves out on the river walk. And uh, as her and I are out there talking, we see this homeless guy walking up to us and you could see like the, the track marks still on his arm. Um, his hand had started to turn black from the IVs and he just started coming up to us and talking to us. And for some reason, she felt led in that moment to say, hey, man, are you hungry? So next thing we know, here we are walking with him to a Sabaro, getting him a piece of pizza. And he's like, why are you doing this for me? And we just opened up the Bible and started showing him the story of the prodigal son. And as we were doing it, he started weeping. And it was crazy because he started telling us how he was in Nashville for a rehab. His mom was totally embarrassed of the situation. And we're like, you know what? How about we, we call your mom right now? And see what she would say to us buying you a bus ticket back home. So next thing you know, we're on the phone with his mom back in Mississippi. Telling her, we're getting your son a bus ticket home. He wants to come home. He's struggling right now. She starts crying on the phone. So here we are walking through Nashville. And this guy's just screaming top of his lungs. I'm going home. I'm going home. Get him a bus ticket. He gets back to Mississippi. Next day, his mom's calling us, thanking us. And it all started because my wife's saying, hey, are you hungry? Can we get you a piece of pizza. Like we didn't know what it was going to turn into. We didn't know it was going to be three, four hours later would still be with this guy. But it's the simplest thing. Like how many of us can walk by someone who's broken on a daily basis 
someone whose family life is falling apart, but we just make judgments because we just see someone who looks like they're in shambles. You know, to me, I would say to your listeners, take the time to hear someone's story because there's way more to people's lives than we can ever see through the surface. Preach, brother. That was, I just want to end everything right there and just like play it on loop. (laughs) You said the words that I was saying in my head. It all started with, are you hungry? (laughs) Absolutely amazing, brother. Okay, I want to wrap this up with this, Josh. And that is, I I ask everyone, to fill in this blank, however you want. Risk is blank. Part of the journey. You know, John 10.10 talks about having a life to the full. You want to know a life to the full and Jesus looks like? It's taking risks. It's him going to the fishermen instead of the religious. It's him going to the leper when everyone else in society says unclean. It's him going where no one else wanted to. The same thing is true of believers today. Are we willing to step out and say, you know what? It might make no sense to the world. It might make us look like a fool. We might fall flat on our face. But if that's where God's leading, that's where we got to go. And that's where the most rewards could be. Everyone, thank you for listening to the Riskers podcast. You know the drill. If you want to subscribe, it's on pretty much every platform. And I encourage you to do that. But more importantly, I want to hear your story. Like as you share a review or email, whatever it is, I want to hear your story of risk, of responding to what God put on your heart, of your moment of saying, are you hungry? Or bringing hot dogs to a skate park. What was that for you? If God's calling you to risk, to heal a pain or solve a problem in this world, it truly does start with are you hungry that's as simple as it can be josh thank you so much for being a guest on the riskers podcast man where can people connect with your ministry with you find out more about you uh connect with you with a question if they have one where's a good place to do that um crucified ministries just uh crucified church on on facebook or uh, i do a blog about um seeing faith through the eyes of a child uh just called eyesofachild.com that's where the, the simplicity is at right now is learning faith through my kids' eyes. This was absolutely incredible, brother. Thank you for sharing your story and for encouraging listeners to, to start to walk in faith and in risk. Of course, not a problem, man. Thank you for listening to the Riskers podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Speak It to Book and Sermon to Book, where we're on a mission to teach kingdom-minded men and women how to write, publish, and market best-selling books and build world-class platforms. To learn more, go to www.calebrakey.com.